Welcome to Art of Retreat 2019, the parkour leadership and education retreat. We're in the Cascade Mountains outside of Seattle, Washington. I'm Craig Constantine from Movers Mindset, and I'm here with Blake Evett. Hi, Craig. Blake Evett is a coach, community leader, and the director of Parkour Generations Americas and Parkour Generations Boston. He has coached parkour both nationally and internationally and enjoys running marathons in addition to training parkour. Blake is interested in how parkour can be an agent for positive social change in both local and national communities. Welcome, Blake. Thanks. It's great to be here. Blake, your session was titled The Parkour Community Within the Larger Urban Fabric, and I think that obviously plays into your ideas and desires about using it as a positive social change vehicle, but can you unpack your session a little bit and give me an idea of what you covered and maybe also how you covered it, whether it was lecture or outside movement? Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I made a long title just to mess with Adam originally, um, <laughs> and, but actually the, that's, that's awesome. <laughs> it does have a lot to do with kind of what I'm passionate about and kind of my larger goals as a leader within the parkour community um, in terms of kind of shaping and being aware of how the industry is growing. Um, and I say industry because I think the, we are becoming an industry. We have peripheral podcasts and clothing brands yeah. and all that stuff. I think that's stuff. a good word to describe it, yeah. And and I think that we, with that comes the responsibility of kind of having some idea of, of where we're going and, and being aware of who we are and, and what, where we came from. Mm -hmm. um, and there's some trends that I've noticed, uh, both in my community and elsewhere, that I think we should be aware of. Um, and, and also to kind of help make sure that we're creating and, and building a really robust and healthy and diverse community. Mm -hmm. And do you find that translating those ideas to movers is particularly difficult because it's, it's I, I'm going to say it's a cerebral endeavor. I don't mean that in a negative way, um, but I think sometimes you find, I'm going to be ageist and say younger parkour, uh, parkour practitioners want to move and they'll sit still and listen to things that are related to movement. But when you start talking about industry or larger urban spaces then i'm wondering if you're getting pushback from people when you talk about that both here and in general um i think people really realize that diversity is an important part of of parkour and and those that know the heritage of of where parkour started and how it started are especially cognizant of that and mm -hmm. especially given that the the group of of young people that started parkour were so diverse and came from a very disadvantaged socioeconomic background. I think that that's something that a lot of old school folks or people that know about where parkour, its roots are, or who have met some of the Yamak, um, they appreciate. But I think a lot of the younger generation doesn't necessarily know that. And I know for my presentation, one of my concerns was like going into this very deep topic with a uh, presentation with a bunch of slides um, and not having a whole lot of movement uh, sessions. Uh, I did try to break it up. So we, there were two kind of breakout sessions where we would go and like talk with the groups and those were by far the most beneficial parts. And, mm. and in retrospect, I wish I'd had more time for that mm. to be able to, to let communities kind of have the, start having those tough discussions because that's where a lot of the growth comes from. Was there anything about the session that surprised you? So you obviously have a vision of how it's supposed to go when you set it up. I don't know if you've delivered it before, but when you brought it here, was there anything about this group that made the delivery and how it was received different? Um, I'm not sure I would deliver it in many other places like parkour wise, because this is a, such a unique place for parkour kind of leader, community leaders and organizers and business owners. 
um, that gather and therefore people that that can handle sitting and, and right. listening to like and also would be in a position to take action presentation. right <laughs> yeah exactly um and if i were pre- presenting it at something like american rendezvous i think it would have to be much shorter and <laughs> and much kind of uh superficial maybe mm-hmm. um because i think people are d- interested in different things as well yeah they show up for a different reason um yep. we can't cover the whole discussion within you know 17 minutes of podcast but i'm wondering is there a particular thread that assuming that somebody who's listening is interested in this topic and they couldn't get here, although they should apply to come next year, if they couldn't get here, is there a thread that you can pull out and say, this is like something that I think is really key or maybe something that really resonated with the community leaders that were here? Yeah, I mean, I think the the underlying thing that I really try to emphasize, and especially for the crowd here, Art of Retreat, is that building a strong and diverse community is not something that is against your business interests. Um, and I think one of the, the things that I was pointing out the main thing was that what we've developed here in the u.s and in north america wider um is that a lot of the models are based on a gym only model um Mm -hmm. which means that we are kind of vastly underserving and ignoring and and kind of walling ourselves off from large swaths of the population and therefore the parkour community here in the u.s is not necessarily reflective of the wider community um and the risks that we run is by doing that is both isolating ourselves but from a business perspective we're we're not tapping most of the market um and my goal is to get people i know we have these beautiful gyms and i would say that the gyms in the in kind of north america are are by far the some of the best ones in the world and that's very much in a a larger north american trend of these kind of brick and mortar parkour gyms that are beautifully designed and have all these amazing customized obstacles. Um, And that's now being seen kind of, it's popping up around the rest of the world, starting with Western Europe and it's now going everywhere. Um, But the issue is that not everybody can get to the gyms. um, Not everybody can pay for the gyms. um, Not everybody has time to go to the gyms. And in a lot of ways, the roots of parkour are not indoors. Um, and I know that's a personal opinion and some people <laughs> might push back on that, but at the same time, that's we're we're not using a lot of the kind of the advantages that parkour has and we're kind of losing huge opportunities as a result. One phrase that you mentioned was, um, reflective of the wider community and, you, and that struck me as an interesting point. And you touched on it a little bit when you were talking about how we're focused on gyms or, or how we might be focusing on gyms too much. And I'm just wondering what are some other um, avenues of exploration? Like let's play the parkour meme card. Mm-hmm. Some other avenues of exploration that people could consider um, to broaden, you know, and take advantage of those other um, pie, pie slices of the larger. Cause your talk mentions the urban space and I'm just wondering what your ideas are on well, okay, where else can we go? Yeah, and and I know that coming from Boston, I have a, a definition of urban space that may be different than other people. And so I use the term urban very loosely in terms of urban in this context means a place where people have settled and you can potentially have people that are in your market. Um, so you could be in a small town, you could be out in the middle of nowhere, with a cluster of other folks. You could be in New York City or LA. Um, The urban fabric is kind of the larger fabric of a community that you are part of. Um, And I think the goal there is is creating, if you have a brick and mortar space, that's fine. 
Um, but looking beyond those four walls to see how you can integrate, um, whether that's uh, through classes or kind of workshops or events in local parks. Um, so I'm a big advocate for outdoor training and teaching. Um, so using public space, everybody to pay taxes for it. So you might as well use it. Um, I know that there is a kind of perceptual shift that has to occur in order to normalize the idea of especially adults training outside and doing parkour and in gen the general public. But I think that also helps our larger case of kind of general positive awareness of, yeah, makes of who we are cycle. and what we do. Um, and I know going on personal experience, if you go to Somerville and you ask a random passerby, if you show them our logo, a lot of times they'll know that, hey, that's parkour. If you ask a school-age child that goes to public schools in, in Somerville, and show them our logo, oh, that's parkour. Mm. Um, that's an after-school thing, or it's something I did in gym class. So. And just out of personal curiosity, how many years of, I'm gonna say, diligent effort did it take to get to the point where you felt like, okay, I'm gonna say it's tipped, and I just mean the sense of like, okay, it's always an uphill battle, but it's gone from being like, I don't know how we're ever gonna do this, but we're gonna keep moving. So like, about how many years do you think you've spent really working on that to get that recognition? So we started in uh, Somerville, Boston uh, area in 2012, um, late 2012. Um, I mean, I think one measure of that recognition is the fact that the city built a parkour park, yeah. the third one in the US, um, and it's open to the public and it says parkour and it, it gives an exp explanation of parkour. It kind of says how to train properly, mm -hmm. kind of just the basics. Um, and that was 2018, it was mm -hmm. finally completed started that's in 2016 yeah, so um i think that that's probably a good metric um i mean we've been in all all the schools since 2014 so um that's that's part of it but now we've had a generation of kids that have kind of grown up with it at their block parties at their yeah. street events at their kind of fluff festivals right so. for somebody who's listening and is interested in maybe either starting their own parkour gym or business or somebody who's already engaged in that um, what would be something or two somethings that they could look into and maybe it could be resources or reaching out to you. But like, if I'm, if I'm interested in this and I feel that I'm not taking advantage of this larger opportunity, um, what would be a good first action for me? Yeah, I think the, the big things that I advocate um, and I recommend, the first one is kind of helping to shift the general perception of parkour in your area. So that uh, that means one is kind of being a responsible steward. So your actions directly impact the reputation of parkour in your area and um, at a larger level. So making sure that you're kind of doing right by parkour and and if you are kind of doing antics that are gonna cast a negative light or having negative interactions with the public, then that's gonna bite you down the line. Um, and then the other big piece is having the, the core foundation. Um, and that means having a company, um, having insurance, having kind of the back end logistics, being registered with your city, with your state, mm. um, with the IRS, mm -hmm. um, and having all of those in place before you start teaching. Um, if you're teaching and you don't have those things, then you're putting yourself, uh, your team, your clients at risk. Um, and as a responsible business owner, that's, that's your duty. Right. Um, but it also means making sure that you're getting insurance that's gonna cover you to do things outside of those four walls. And I know insurance is a big issue here in the US. And and one of the things I talk about is why we've developed this gym-based model. And a lot of it is because of the kind of 
the shift of personal responsibility from oneself to mm -hmm. elsewhere um, and the insurance industry and kind of the litigious nature of, of American society. Um, and so it's easy to insure place of, of four walls and, right. and the interior, but it's much harder to find an insurance policy that's going to let you go teach in your public park and in front of the library and uh, at your local community organization. Yeah, and so, the quarter mile run between the two, right? <laughs> exactly. Um, and I think that that's something that's, that's really important and is doable. Um, and we've been doing it, but I think that there's, there's a much larger opportunity there to, to help kind of grow that. Hmm. Um, and then the other thing is, is getting people to think of, of where we can engage with a wider community. So obviously kids go to school. So that's a big one. Um, adults go to gyms, they go to public spaces, they go to downtown areas. Um, older adults go to senior centers and community organizations to do activities. Um, and everybody has different uh, places of interaction within the community. So looking to see how you can integrate with that. If your local recreation department doesn't exist, uh, then obviously going and working with them doesn't work well, but maybe you have a youth center or you have a boys and girls club or you have a really popular kind of after school program um local manager. ymca right <laughs> exactly so everybody's got those things and it's going to be different everywhere but finding ways to partner with them to collaborate with them to kind of build on their network is as a business move going to make it a lot easier for you instead of just going and advertising and hoping that people walk through your front door right if you can bring parkour to them it's going to make that introductory process a lot easier Blake, I know that you're involved here in Team Ghost, which is the Secret Night Crew, which basically sets up um, their night missions and challenges. But there's, I think there's more to it than just like running around in the woods at night. And I'm wondering if you can explain, I kind of want to like give everybody a peek of some of the ethos of what happens at the event beyond the lectures, because there's, there's lectures, there's movement, there's things happening in parallel. People are constantly like frustrated because oh, there's like seven lectures I want to go to and three at the same time. So there's Everything is very dense. It's very much a conference. It's very much about leadership. Um, but people, like these are people who need to move. Like They don't sit all day. Um, and I'm just wondering if you can give me a little glimpse of what you guys are attempting to create by having these, um, and I, I don't want to like let the cat out of the bag because I liked how last night's mission was changed, how, like, how it was, the cohesion was done differently. So I'm wondering if you can just tell me a little bit about what you're trying to accomplish with that and how you think it's been going like last year versus this year. Yeah, I mean, I think the opportunities here for kind of really emphasizing the retreat part of Art of Retreat is, is unlimited. Um, this is kind of the ultimate kind of sandbox <laughs> of sorts. of Every direction that. of every window where I'm sitting yeah, is trees. And, <laughs> and the fact that we can, we can kind of run rampant literally through the woods here and along the shore. And there's such a diversity of, of settings for people to do stuff um, is great. And and one of the goals that I think in general, a lot of the PKGen crew that have come to, to these events, we, we like these types of night missions and, and kind of challenges. Um, we do them a lot within our own communities and at, at our own events. And sharing those with the wider community has, has been a lot of fun, People, especially people that don't have exposure to them. Um, we put a lot of effort into thinking about how to make these games run smoothly and to be inclusive and to make sure that everybody's learning new skills or learning some sort of application. A lot of times kind of playing on, on what we've had sessions about throughout the day. Right. So there is definitely a lot of, of 
of thought that goes into them and and obviously making them not all the same because we want we want to make them different and we want to have fun as well so so as i talk to different people through these interviews um sometimes i encounter people who have done like one presentation or have only been here this is their first year but you were here last year as well um and at the auto retreat before that and the auto retreat before that so i'm wondering um how have you seen um not the event itself change but i mean that's interesting but i'm really after how have you seen the attendance like the the attendees change have the people who have been showing up um maybe been more open-minded or or more now they're more well-versed in basics so it's easier for the for the for the retreat to deliver higher level material i'm kind of like wondering about some perspective on the people who are showing up yeah, I mean, I think the the very first one was was mostly kind of northeast, right. is dominated by representation from the northeast and kind of the New York metro area. Um, and as it's switched over to the west coast, it's been really refreshing for me as an east coaster that's that's in involved in that northeast community to meet a lot of folks from elsewhere that I probably wouldn't have met otherwise, um, just because the spread is so large. Um, it's definitely shifted a bit from the practitioner and business owner um, kind of real focus at the beginning. Um, and it's, it's kind of cast a wider net to, to get members of the community from all parts of it um, involved and engaged, which has been really nice. And I think the peripheral um, activities and, and kind of, uh, sessions has been nice and it's nice to not just have parkour stuff all the time right um but i think on the whole actually i don't think it's changed all that much i think a lot of the representation is is business owners and community leaders which is kind of what it's designed for um and was kind of at the original like oh how do we get all these people in together in a neutral space and kind of at the mission of that mm-hmm. um but i do think it's really valuable to have practitioners and parents and kind of people that work with parkour people um but don't necessarily do parkour or um kind of service those those yeah, groups the, the space have them represented too the whole retreat space is really set up to be conducive to like a choose your own adventure sort of thing exactly um uh, like I, i've been to like regular conferences and of course you know there's the pick your track through the educational material and then there's always the infamous hallway track um and this year the event has an extra evening so there's effectively like this extra five hour block that appeared and everybody's like, yes, now we have like scheduled unscheduled time so that you can finish all those conversations that you started, you know, in the middle of the night mission or then some session. Um, so I think I've been seeing a lot more people having conversations on the side. Um, there's always the normal hallway track at meal times and things like that. Um, so the event has been changing, but the people that I'm seeing, it's, it's a, this sort of the same cross section of people like this you know, like were you here before no this is my first time and then like the next person is like oh my god you're at every event everywhere on the planet like yeah. it's just this range of people um and a few people that i've talked to you know with like people get like the mind altering like i have never seen this many people this passionate about the thing that i'm passionate about and it really just like opens them up um so i really think it's a great event i think more people should uh, apply i don't know I, my understanding is it's pretty much at its limits for attendance, but I know that they're always encouraged, like, you know, apply, like, you know, it can't hurt to send in the application. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, the art of retreat that happens in Europe. And I don't know if it's going to be back in Scotland. I don't know what the details are, but I know they're planning on having another one. Blake, so I, I've obviously mostly been driving here with the questions, but is there anything else that, um, that you guys got a chance to do this year that was different or things that really jumped out as this is something new you tried? Uh, this year, we actually tried 
doing in a kind of coaching session for folks that were interested in, in some of the ADAPT perspective. Um, it was uh, just an idea that at, kind of at the last minute where we figured since we're running a, an ADAPT course here in Seattle um, next weekend, that we might as well kind of get the word out and, and kind of show people kind of some of the concepts behind ADAPT and what we're trying to do. Um, and in terms of creating an international coaching standard. Um, and so we led a session based on the feedback and kind of giving coaches of all levels some feedback from their peers on coaching, which is something that a lot of folks don't get, especially if they're at the top of the food chain. Mm, um, right. You are just kind of coaching and yeah. <laughs> nobody's giving you kind of useful feedback on a regular basis so it can be a nice refresher and how did that go like how was the reception uh, to that it was really good um it was a intimate group on the kind of top of uh, a ridge that was fairly windy and rainy and uh people stuck it out and it was it was fun um i think we we introduced a few people that didn't necessarily know anything about adapt um to this idea and maybe we'll see them in a course one day but i think what we're trying to do a lot of right now is is just update the image of adapt that that is out there because a lot of people are have the old school image of this crazy hard course designed by the yamak and pk gen to just beast people and that <laughs> that is no longer um and has not been what the course is about for for a while now um and it's much more focused on coaching and, and kind of building those core fundamental skills and, and kind of creating that coaching persona and and then advancing through the various stages of learning with that coaching persona to 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 become a better coach. So, terrific! I think there's a, a lot to be said for um, Adam McClellan likes to use the phrase "rising tide," you know, raises mm -hmm. all boats. And I think that as each of the individual coaching certifications around North America, as they each try and work on their image like that, and like, no, this is how this works. This is what we're doing. It really spreads the idea of coaching in general as like coaching with a capital C as a profession, as something that you can dedicate yep. your life to. Um, and I think maybe over the last five years, I've seen a lot of progress in the in like intercommunication between the coaching standards. And then then things really accelerate when, when people realize that their ideas are actually in alignment, um, that we can all move forward. And yeah, and I think what we've realized that there, there are a few key kind of really high quality certs out there that are focusing on different things and, and that we are spoiled for choice here in North America by yeah. the fact that we have Parkour EDU and the APK cert and ADAPT all being delivered um, yeah. fairly widely to the public. Um, and, and that's a benefit to the wider community and, and we should be encouraging people to do that and to recognize that um and to have people um have some sort of kind of collaboration between the certs and i think that's one of the things that uspk is now working on um is trying to get some sort of collaboration between them to have some sort of recognition or stamp of approval right. or whatever we want to do for for the kind of the recognized certifications right. blake for anybody out there who's listening who wants to get a hold of you for specific questions or wants to get information about parkour generations americas or parkour generations boston uh, adapt certs like we've only touched on like 15 different topics but <laughs> for any of those different things can you give me all the ways to reach you email addresses yeah. websites yeah the best way to reach me is probably email um just blake at parkourgenerations.com um and otherwise you can reach out to me on facebook or instagram um you'd probably find me pretty easily there's not many blakes out there blake evitts out there <laughs> uh 
Um, and you can also come to an event. That's usually what I prefer is, is to meet people in person and, and have a chance to talk. And uh, especially people from around the country that are in different regions that I don't necessarily get to travel to. Um, I do make an af- effort to, to travel around as much as I can. And so if you have a cool community, let me know. I'd yeah. love to come visit. So, Well, terrific. Thank you very much, Blake. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. Awesome. Thanks, Craig. This was one of 23 interviews from the 2019 North American Art of Retreat. To hear the rest, check out Art of Retreat on castbox.fm. You can find out more about the Art of Retreat at artofretreat.com. Thank you for listening.